Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Mom? I am ready. Let's go. Let's go to any town, USA. Oh, I think oh. after New York City, any town, USA is the second most frequented location. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, I looked it up and it told me where it was shot, but it didn't tell me where the setting was. So it could have been any town, USA, based on the American accents. Oh, <laughs> nice. This week we are doing 1986 Labyrinth. Teenage, oh, wait, stop, move on. 16-year-old Sarah is given 13 hours to solve a labyrinth. A labyrinth is a place constructed of or full of intricate passageways and blind alleys, also known as a maze, and rescue her baby brother, Toby, when her wish for him to be taken away is granted by the Goblin King. Mm. What could go oh, okay. wrong? I know. But then, see, I used to do it then. And then I looked through my notes. I used to say it after I was done with setting the table. So sometimes I... Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I stepped on your bit. Oh no, it's okay because I had to look through my notes to see. And luckily, I have a notebook to be able to see my past notes. And mm. it appeared I did that after setting the table. So, yes, I had it written down here and crossed it out and then went back to circling it after setting the table. <clears throat> Particulars. The particulars. So Labyrinth was released in the United States on June 27th, 1986. So I was technically five years old when this came out. Although I'm pretty sure because I did not see it in the theater that I was six or seven by the time I watched it. Uh, we rented it at Berwick Court. We yeah. rented it at Blockbuster and watched it on Berwick Court. So I was either six or seven. The directors, directed by Jim Henson, an American puppeteer, animator, cartoonist, actor, inventor, composer, filmmaker, and screenwriter, creator wow. of the Muppets. Nerd alert, he attended the University of Maryland. Really? And as a freshman, created Sam and Friends, which was a five-minute puppet show that ran on WRC-TV, which was my local Channel 4 growing up. NBC. From 1954 to 1961. So NBC had a big hand in creating the Muppets. Do, 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 do. So, and then going on in his career, he had a, remember Rolf, the piano mm -hmm. playing mm -hmm. dog? He was the first Muppet to make a regular appearances on the Jimmy Dean show. Yes. Hot sausage Jimmy Dean. Oh. His variety huh. show. And in the early 60s, and Jim Henson was so uh, grateful to Jimmy Dean that he offered something a ridiculous like 40% stake in his company. And Jimmy Dean's like, my man, my man, I got amazing hot sausage money coming in <laughs> so i appreciate it i'm good you just keep doing what you're doing because i got jimmy dean sausage and then 
in that was in the mid '60s. Then in 1969, um, he started working on Sesame Street, and he the Muppets would be in Sesame Street, and it was separate. And then they somebody got the bright idea was like, no, we need to revamp this show and have the Muppets interacting. And so then he did that. I mean, Sesame Street. I mean, I am who I am because of Sesame Street. I that show taught me so much about if if people think that I'm a good person, if you think I'm a horrible person, then <laughs> ignore this. But if you think I'm a decent person in any way, it's it's because of my parents and Thank their decision. You. <laughs> To put me in front of the TV and watch Sesame Street. Okay, I'll take the backhanded compliment. No, but Sesame Street was, I mean, I learned so much from those, uh, I mean, aside from the counting, sure. But Sesame Street was always really good in showing people with disabilities and showing, like, you know, blind kids and deaf kids and that we were all the same and all different faces and stuff and I think that's important like as a kid when you're watching TV to be at least introduced to these ideas in a way where this these people aren't different from you it, it was very accepting and it had a banging theme song oh and my gosh still doing it like yeah, with the it. Sesame Street for like during the pandemic remember they were doing like Sesame Street town halls every weekend mm-hmm yeah, it's just it's just just fantastic. He also directed the Great Muppet Caper, The Dark Crystal, Muppet Vision 3D, and sadly, he died in 1990 of a bacterial pneumonia infection. Wow. I mean, it was he had an yeah. infection, and if he had just gotten to the doctor, they said like if he had just got started antibiotics, even a few hours before then he he wouldn't have been taken out like that yeah crazy man Whew. so the writer is terry jones he was a member of the monty python comedy team uh, monty python that was monty python so he wrote on monty python the flying circus monty the movies monty python the holy grail which is hilarious the life of brian so he wrote the early draft for this they say that little remains of the early draft. And then the uncredited writers of it are Jim Henson, Laura Phillips, Elaine May. Yes, that Elaine May that also wrote A New Leaf and Ishtar. Uh, and then George Lucas. And George Lucas was also an executive producer on this. The music is by Trevor Jones. He's a South American. I mean, a South African, sorry. He also did The Dark Crystal, Mississippi Burning, and The Last of the Mohicans. Director of photography is Alex Thompson, who is British. He also did Legends, Alien 3, and Demolition Man. And the editor is John Grover, who also did For Your Eyes Only, License to Kill, and The Spy Who Loved Me. So very James Bondy editor. Uh, Starring... (laughs) David Bowie mm. as Jareth. <laughs> Jareth, what a name. I'm always going to laugh at that name, Jareth. Okay, David Bowie. Uh, real name or born name, Ro- David Robert Jones. So he was a Davy Jones. Oh. 
You know him. I mean, the songs, Space Odyssey, Ziggy Stardust, Fame, Hero, Young Americans, Modern Love, also known as the Thin White Duke. He was one of the first white artists to appear on Soul Train. He is definitely in the conversation of greatest rock star of all time. You you have to at least, you have to throw him in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, then he also acted... And he was very, because he, David Bowie as a rock star is very theatrical just off the jump. Exactly. He would do these characters and all this stuff. So, of course, he was a fantastic actor. And he was very particular about what he chose to act in. So he acted in Into the Night, The Last Temptation of Christ. Um, and then this is what his record label said about him. And I think it pretty much sums up David Bowie. His label said, there's old wave. There's New Wave and there's David Bowie. Mm-hmm. The man, exactly. I mean, the man just kept he. You can't. I was listening to a David Bowie playlist and the different genres of music that he just goes in and out of, and that just look at the images and it's just crazy to, to. If you were lucky enough to be alive when David Bowie was alive, and you would just be like, "That's David Bowie," and then because this was the first time probably in my life that I've been exper- exposed to David Bowie mm-hmm. as far as visuals, and then to hear like, "Oh, that song, that's also da- that's this David Bowie," and then later on getting into other music of being like, "And that's David Bowie," and then he did, and then that David Bowie, and yeah, so. David Bowie, one of the greats, entertainers. Jennifer Conley, she plays Sarah. In real life, Jennifer Conley was 14 years old, playing a 16-year-old, which... How very odd. That usually kind of doesn't really happen. Um, She also appeared in Once Upon a Time in America, The Rocketeer, Requiem for a Dream, A Beautiful Mind. Most recently, she's been in the TNT show Snowpiercer, so she's had a great career. Toby Froud, F-R-O-U-D. I said Froud. Tony Froud. He was the baby. Mm-hmm. He grew up to be a special effects designer and puppeteer oh. himself. He also apprenticed. He grew up to be a puppeteer. Yeah, and and he uh, apprenticed at the Muppet Workshop and also the oh Weta Workshop. And the Weta Workshop is the New Zealand workshop that was behind all the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films. Um, He also worked on the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and King Kong. And so, but here's the deal. He got cast in this because his father, Brian Froud, or Froud, sorry. It could be either way. Yeah, he's a British illustrator, and he's actually the concept designer for this film so he comes by it honestly but still the fact that he was at least you know cute enough and like they they threw him into the movie i thought that and then he grew up to to do that stuff i thought it was really cool um and he and the name of the character the baby's character in the movie was something else but he only reacted to his own name toby so they had to make it toby oh, oh, i sense. thought that was a really funny name for a baby but it's funnier that it's real Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Henson played Hoggle, so he was the puppeteer and voice for Hoggle. Um, Frank Oz is also involved in this film. He was the wise man. 
and you know Frank Oz's work because he's most famous for being Yoda in Star Wars. Mm. He also is the original OG Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, Animal, Bert, and Grover. Mm. He's also a very famous director with such films as What About Bob, Little Shop of Horrors. And most recently on Hulu, I highly recommend this, Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. Oh, great. It's a great thing. Uh, don't just, it's one of those things where don't Google it, just watch it, just bring it up and watch it. Don't look up anything else about it. Um, he In and of Jim, itself? Mm-hmm. He met Jim Henson as a teenager. All of the creatures are done by Jim Henson's Creature Shop, and that was founded in 1979. And he found it along with Toby's dad. And the rights to the Muppets were sold to Disney in 2004. And there are so many other uh, performers and stuff who were the puppeteers, but the, yeah. I, I cut it short. So you can, you can look it up on Wikipedia if you would like. Outstanding. <clears throat> well, we have angst-ridden teenage Sarah. And she is forced by her father and stepmother to babysit her brother, stepbrother, Toby. Well, half-brother. Half-brother, Toby. Um, Toby won't stop crying. And Sarah, who has been fascinated with the story, The Labyrinth, wishes he could be taken away by the goblins. So he is. And now. She must solve the labyrinth within 13 hours or he will become a goblin and live with the goblin family. Mm. What, what could go, could go wrong? wrong? We have to decide where we like it. I might like it better in the at the very beginning. So we'll decide. So now we are to... There's um, no rules. Yeah, there are. You can put it wherever you want. Yes. the best. And we can be buffalo, although that would get tedious. So we are to uh, people of color count, which, hello, I mean, the goblins are all creatures of different colors. And, but there's, They're the other. Yeah, because there, I didn't see very many Nordic features in any of these creatures. You know? Ooh, not, not seeing... Defined nose, uh, you know, narrow noses, blue eyes, paler skin, tallness, you know, so. Very true. And none of the um, human characters were of color. No. Mm -mm. So now we are to the power of cast. Okay. Okay, I'll go. Go um, for it. Well, we've already saw, so specifically, like, her group, Ludo and Hoggle, like you say, not very Nordic looking. And they're, if you just look at their features and, and whatnot, and sort of, okay, interesting what they're representing. This, you know, you know what I mean. Especially Hoggle. I mean, Ludo is just a monster. 
Well, and they're both like aside from their their visuals, just what they represent. They're not the they're not the A game. They're not the all star cool kids of uh, where where are they? Goblinville, the goblins. Right. right. So there's that. Um, the theories, fireies. Yes. All their voices kind of reminded me of um the the crows and Dumbo a bit. Yeah. Not as not as super over the top, but just I did kind of go, oh, that, hmm, hmm. Mm. Um, Sir Didymus, the mm-hmm. the ter- the English terrier. I mean, okay, I I you know this is me having a little bit of fun with it, but uh, he has an English accent, so I thought it was interesting how like England. He's so small, yet thinks he can conquer anything. Oh, ouch. Well done. (laughs) I'm just saying. And uh, I don't think that he thinks that he's equal with everyone else. Like, he, you know, he definitely thinks he's on a higher plane and better than everybody. So I thought that was interesting. And then finally, I saw there's an article, 2016 article in The Atlantic by Allison Stein called Labyrinth and the Dark Heart of Childhood. And she made this point where Labyrinth is a world of men, except for the junk lady and Hoggle, and uh, a fairy that Hoggle tries to kill. Everyone else is men. Mm-hmm. And then she also pointed out how this movie was kind of paving the way for future young adult novel characters like uh, Katniss and Bella and the Harmonies of the world and the YA novels. Um and how the readers want them to choose the fantasy. Because in this, you know, the Goblin King, Jareth, is giving her, like, oh, all your dreams can come true. But then they choose family, home, and responsibility every time. Because they're women. That's what women do. They put aside their dreams, and they nurture. Well, I have something jumping off of that. Please go. Uh, I read an article on decider.com. Never heard of it. But it's an opinion piece. Um, Labyrinth is actually about a girl coping with sexual abuse. And it's like, you know, fan, there's the fan theories go deep with this movie, I think. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know. I didn't notice. I had had some beverages, so maybe that's why. But all the sexual undertones, like I obviously like the balls I got, like you know. But but um, obviously, like Jareth is three hundred years old, trying to get with like clearly he's like sexually into. Yes. How old she's supposed to be? Fifteen. She's supposed to be sixteen, but she was fourteen. Yes, I felt that, you know, just Jareth's pants alone. Well, yeah. His, his famous cod piece. Yeah. And he drugs her. Yep. And mm-hmm. criticizes her for being thankless for what he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, arguing that the nice things he's done make up for all of his hostility. At one point, he even says, just let me rule you and you can have everything you want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's not until she says, you have no power over me, that she breaks the spell. Exactly. Um, but 
then did you guys hear about David Bowie's second role in the movie? No. In no. the picture. So, and, and you know. Yes, it's yes, like, yes, yes, yes. I okay. do know this. So it's like a fairy tale. Like, uh-huh. written fairy tales and all that. But it was like, in a real fairy tale, her mom would be dead, probably. She's living with right. the evil stepmother. But her mom's clearly alive. No, that's her stepmother. No. That no. is. But in her room, she has all these pictures of her mom, who appears mm-hmm. to be an actress or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and she's hanging out with her boyfriend, who is David Bowie in the pictures. Her boyfriend, Jeremy. And it's David Bowie in the pictures, in the news yes. clippings. And oh so my gosh. it's all of this, like, yeah. uh, she left her family for David uh-huh. Bowie. What? So, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I knew that there was a scrapbook of her mom who had been who was a famous actress, but it wasn't till I did um, some research that it said. But did you see who the boyfriend yeah. was that she left her family for? And yeah. then I wrote on den. This is from denofgeek.com. She said that means when Sarah was dreamcasting the much older lead in her personal coming of age fantasy, she gave that role to her mother's boyfriend. Therapists of the world, start your engines. Exactly. But then it was like, and then I read the other article that it's like her overcoming sexual abuse and it is at her mother's boyfriend and. Oh my gosh. I yes, know. Oh, so the sexual abuse place. was the mother's boyfriend. Whoa. Well, that's, yeah. And then that's like the whole thing is in her in her mind in her subconscious mm-hmm. right and it says like this you know the movie's got clear sexual themes especially when it comes to jared sarah's established lack of interest in boys there's definitely something happening mm-hmm. yeah oh wow mm-hmm. mind is blown I know. I know but there's also a the book um that I think goes a lot more into. Is there a book? There, I, I she had like a, like a real slim red book that said the, the labyrinth on it, and it was either a play because in the beginning she was reciting the the words of the play. Um, well, no, I just didn't know if that this was. Oh, based was this on, based I think there on just the like, book? I don't know if it's fan theory or if there's more of the, the script, the original script or something that went more into. Oh yeah. Well, it was Jeremy, the boyfriend, and then the boyfriend's name is Jeremy, and then in their her like fantasy, it's Jared. Like, I don't know. I buy into this. I okay, so it, it was definitely influenced by the Wizard of Oz, definitely. and it was also so you know the book where the wild things are that was written yes. by maurice Sen- Sendak. yeah he also wrote outside over there which was about a nine-year-old girl whose baby sister is stolen by goblins and it was so similar to what they were working on with this that lawyers got involved exactly and so it sounds like it yeah so then uh-huh. changes had to be made so I like really who knows and there was so much I don't I don't even know because like we said yeah. the the screenwriter Terry Jones to get credit for this 
as the screenwriter, very little from what I read, he wrote a very early draft of this and very little remained. And they just had like a whole bunch yeah. of people. There were tons of so, people. It, um, and Elaine May was the fine. She was a script doctor on it. She was mm -hmm. the final person and she gave him the script like four days before they started to shoot. So, yeah, who even knows? Oh my God. I like, I like this, I like this theory because, not that I like it, but I feel like it, um, it makes me, if it, if it has anything to do with it, it makes me like her more because yeah. she's not very likable. Right. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a lot of power of cast, a lot of um, male influence. We are now to nerd alerts. Okay. 1986. So we had the year starts off great, guys. In January, Space Shuttle Challenger disaster disintegrates oh, 73 oh. seconds after it lifted off. I was homesick. You were homesick. I was sick on the couch. I don't know what your brother was doing. He was taking care of himself <laughs> at two one and a half years old. Yeah. yeah. I had a poster. Oh. I wasn't born, but I had a poster of that in my room all growing up. Like of it disintegrating or just no! a challenger? Just of the challenger. I, oh, I okay. Could, I, could, I could see Tim going, look at this is it's a hard this knock world happens. out here. This is what could happen. This is, you got to double check Try all of the safety. <laughs> not everyone is great. Not everyone's going to make it to the moon. These people did not get a trophy. Nope. <laughs> um, Pixar Animation Studio is founded what? 1986 by Edwin Catmull and Albie Ray Smith. Good for them. Yeah. Haley's Comet was a thing. Mm -hmm. It's uh, what? What is like? Haley's Comet comes around every, what, 100 years or something? Yeah, it's like one of those, like, science things, and it, it's it's on some weird orbit thing, and it, then it sweeps by, and I remember, like, that was a big thing in 86. In 1986, we have 5 million people form a human chain from New York City to Long Beach, California. It's known as Hands Across America, mm -hmm. and it was done to fight hunger and homelessness. Mm -hmm. I thought that was nice. And, and you see oh. how far we've come. And that was what, what movie was that in? It wasn't something recently. Us? Or. Yes, it was Us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Hands Across America. Mm -hmm. um, in 1986, the Chernobyl nuclear power Ooh. plant after happened. You still want me to watch that document. Yeah, oh, you do. Uh, so, um, if you or anyone you know has any hesitancy about getting a vaccine because you don't know what it is and you're putting it in your body, just know that after the incident, traces of radioactive deposits unique to Chernobyl were in every country in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm -hmm. So just know, like, like watch the Chernobyl thing on HBO and know you already got fucked. Like, we're already fucked up. Yeah, we're but, already gonna die. Yeah, and, like, watching that, 
I was just like, oh my gosh. It was really, really softballed, really lowballed how fucked up that situation was and what really happened, how much pollution mm-hmm. was just out there in the air. So again, if you're like, I don't know what's being put into my body, you don't know what's being put into your body. Every you don't have single any, day. Really, exactly. you really don't have any control over every single day. Who, everybody's got a cell phone. I'm sitting in front of a cell phone. I'm sitting in front of this laptop. I'm, I'm very close to power lines. I got this Chernobyl. I lived in Germany, so I was closer to all that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, all that is coursing through my veins. So, there you have that. The top five movies of 1986 are Star Trek V, The Voyage Home. Number four was The Karate Kid, part two. Number three was Platoon. Number two is Crocodile Dundee. Oh, my God. That was the first movie I ever saw in the theater. Oh, wow. Are you sure? Was it the sequel? Because this came out in 86. But I was thinking it was still in the theater. But they wouldn't have taken me as a one-week-old, probably. Well, When did Crocodile Dundee? You're probably right. Came out in... In 86. Okay. Maybe you're like a week old and they took you to it. No, Dundee 2 came out in 88. That's more likely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait, were you born in 88 or 86? 7. Oh, 87. <laughs> oh, there's no mercy. Oh my gosh, there's no way. Okay, but wait. Oh, sometimes movies are in the theater. What if I went to the dollar theater? Or, I mean, you were in the womb, but you were, you know, you were experiencing the movie. Okay. In vitro. Sure, sure. Maybe I saw both. Yeah, I saw both. Because they did a (laughs) re-release in anticipation for the second sequel coming out. So there you have it. The top film of... 1986. Does anybody want to make a guess? Because I just gave a big clue. Labyrinth. No. no. Top Gun. Top Gun. Was oh, the clue was top? Yeah. Oh, we did that the one. Top film. We didn't do that one. We haven't done Top we Gun We did the yet. one with the cars, not planes. Yeah. Exactly. And the sequel, the much-anticipated sequel of Top Gun is coming out, so I I would fear that we might be doing Top Gun. I love that ride at Carolyn's. Top, top Gun ride. There's a roller coaster, yeah. Oh, nice. Um, Oscars, we have the nominees for Best Picture. We're a room with the view, the mission, Hannah and her sisters, Children of a Lesser God, and the winner was Platoon. Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Never and- heard of any of them. I've heard of a few of them, but this is September, and I thought this was very interesting. Do you know who won the best pick, the best actor Oscar? Paul Newman. Paul Newman won for the color, the color of, color money? of money. Yep. So there are the my nerd alerts. May I just say, piggybacking mm. on that, I am, I, I I'm rather happy that we have deviated from Paul Newman month being the month of his death. <laughs> and maybe we can make it in January where we celebrate his birthday, which I share with him. 
Okay, yeah. Do you I know mean, that he's Jewish? Yeah, because he, he makes a, a fine-looking Jew, along with Goldie Hawn. That was from the Adam Sandler. Remember? He referenced oh, Goldie Hawn yeah. Adam Sandler song. We were I at brunch, did know. brunch with our friend Olivia, and she is apparently has a huge crush on Paul Newman. <sighs> I knew I'd love to her celebrity yeah. crush. Yeah. And she's Jewish. And I said I didn't know that about him. She also makes a fine-looking Jew. (laughs) (laughs) Not that anyone doesn't, but (laughs) Olivia and Paul Newman and Goldie Hawn, right up there. Yeah, you know, it's like when when you have the mixed children, like, you're putting Halle Berry up front and foremost. Yes, you are. This is is the best of us. Exactly. And then you. And then. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Thank then you. Adam. After Adam. you. <laughs> uh, okay. The reverse, but that's fine. <laughs> Christine, do you have a uh, nerd alert? Um, no, didn't get there. This is the one time that I did, but I've already said it. You know, I, I jumped the gun on that one. What was your nerd alert? That Elaine May was the script doctor. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So now we are to reheatables. And I don't have a lot. So. Whoa. Guess what, guys? Uh, I do. Uh, okay, I have, uh, so let me say um, my, I have two, but one is my LVP. So I'm going to just say stepmother bashing. Because... It's so easy to bash a stepmother. There there are some stepmothers who should be bashed, I'm sure. But not always. Some stepmothers are wonderful. And um did, did I didn't did she get really bashed? I she was she was yeah, the uh Sarah was very anti her stepmother, how they never ask her to babysit, they just want her to babysit and um and the stepmother goes, I can't do anything right. Mm. That was okay. Well, okay. Stepmothers out there unite. <laughs> I created my own. Uh... Oh, my mom's a stepmom. Yes. Oh, I was thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I created a new section for the podcast this week. Before I get into my negative, we start with negative, right? Yes. 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 And I just did a section called hot takes and they're all negative. Oh, I have so many. (laughs) So I just wrote them down. One of them, I don't know what it means, but. um, Teeny notes. I wrote, does she have postpartum? I don't know who I'm talking about. Did you think when you were originally watching it? (laughs) Oh, can you get postpartum depression? from another baby born. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but there is, um, sh- it's called something. Yeah. yeah. She's mentally ill. Yeah. Are, are we talking about Sarah, Sarah or the watch. mother? Sarah. There ain't no reason that a girl that age to be that upset about a baby. Except I... that her mother ran away with somebody else. Her, her well, father yeah, if she was sexually abused, it's a whole different story. Right, right. Why didn't she bring Merlin with her? On the journey. Yes. But then Merlin shows up, but he's the steed of that Yeah, like, why didn't she just bring him all along? 
Yeah. I would have bring Tommy with me. In there. Yes. Is this, the, is this a horror movie? And then I wrote Mom Goblin. And I don't know what that means. Mom Goblin. Mom, Mom Goblin. But that are my hot takes. Maybe she wondered because if the, hot takes. the baby was taken that maybe the mom was a goblin. <laughs> Mom Goblin. I love, I love TD's hot takes. This is well, the state no, of mine I became. Uh, and maybe you were writing, you know, they could have had Mom Goblins. That would have been a good one. Or was the trash lady like a mom goblin? Oh, yo, yeah, the junk lady, was she the mom goblin? No, because that would imply that Jareth, king of the goblins, was then hooking up with the yeah. junk lady. And <laughs> David Bowie has that in his contract. Yeah. That's not happening. So, yeah, those were hot takes. And then I'll get into my negative reheatables. I like hot takes. I, I do enjoy hot takes. How the heck did that baby take Lancelot the puppet out of her room? Yes. Yeah, it wasn't. Maybe it was the mom goblin, and that's Can't what you're wait. talking about. Because the, uh, the, an the adult stepmother. figure or a clueless father took, you know, and mm-hmm. gave it. But Toby didn't, the baby did not no. take, you know, he, yeah. He was innocent through the whole thing. Yep. Except um, he did cry a lot. How? I do remember. Oh my god, I do remember my brother crying when, like, we had a babysitter one time, and he just wouldn't stop crying. And I'm just like, shut up. Yeah. Oh, you were like Sarah. Yeah. She. But then I. She. But I was six, and I said, she's way too old to hate that baby so much. I know. Um, yeah. a baby named Toby. So I guess every Toby has to be a baby at some point in life. Yeah. yeah Unless like, you get the nickname Toby when you're older. I like yeah. Toby. I like the name Tobias and I like the name Toby. So I was just oh, like, yeah, oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Like Ooh, a so bit, like what if your name's Daryl? You're like a baby named Daryl. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Esther. <laughs> and Evelyn. I didn't like the one scene I didn't like. Ruth. Was the dance montage like the ball? <gasps> oh, the masquerade ball. Okay, I could have done without that. It was very creepy because there was so much sexual tension. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was very creepy. Very yes. creepy. And then I put the wallpaper of their house as a negative, but also a positive. I didn't even register that. I did. First of all, Toby's room that was not a baby room. I mean, there was a there was a double. And the bed. way that they didn't have the room, his crib like propped against anything, it was just like just out in the diagonal in the middle of the room was weird to me. I wonder oh, no. how much of this is is um what what that article was saying about, and I don't know how many because there were female well, women puppeteers and stuff, but I just wonder if this is like these things they were saying is because this was such a male-dominated production. Yeah, that design probably. Yeah. But I would have had Adam's bed in the middle of the room had the room been big enough because he would, I had shelves. Um, He was in a corner, so there were two walls, and he could, like, climb on the shelves. 
so that was he was a climber so mm. if i put him in the middle of the room he could just climb out of the bed but he wouldn't pull shelves down on his head yeah but then you would just be walking and oh there, oh, there he is what is he doing <laughs> maybe that's why they had it like that kind of what we dealt with anyway so. yeah but then you just put bells on him and then you know <laughs> that was their trick i had bells on me as a kid yes you did Sometimes the bells would just be very quiet. And it's like, what does she do? Oh, Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) Good. She's learning something. Uh, Do you have any more hot takes? No, that's all for my hot takes and my negative reheatables. All right. My negative reheatable. First thing, it's so funny, Teeny. I wrote in it, hot take. Oh. Okay. So... When we met, when you had mentioned last week that we were doing Labyrinth, I was like, oh my gosh, because I remember watching Labyrinth. And I remember, I remember this is probably one of the first movies that I remember crying at and being really upset over. And the only thing that I remember about Labyrinth is I remember David Bowie and I remember that it was about this girl. And in my mind, I didn't. I thought she was younger. Okay, when I watched this, I was. We'll say I was seven. So then my brother was three. So it wasn't too long ago that I would remember him being a baby, mm-hmm. like Toby. In my mind, when I think back to what I remember, I didn't remember register her being sixteen or anything. No, I registered I yeah. her as being kind of like twelve or something, yeah. which would have been way older to me in my mind. But so it was it was just a very interesting exercise in watching this film and thinking back to also watching this film, like seven year old Aaron watching this film and seven year old Aaron was not a fan of this film because I couldn't understand how she would wish her brother to the like, <laughs> goblins to take away her brother. And I remember like crying at the end of it when they got her brother back because I was like, you, like, why did you? You didn't have to go through all of this. I was we so irritated. We could have saved irritated. ourselves two hours. Exactly. And then I start watching this film and I'm like, I don't remember. I'm. Not, I was amazed. I was like, I don't remember any of this. I don't remember. I was just like, what the hell? But then as I was watching it my mind would go off into these different places. And even though, so I worked on my notes, we're filming, we're recording this on Sunday. We watched, I watched this on Friday night. I don't remember any of the movie that I watched (laughs) on Friday night. And I'm like, Oh wow. This is just like seven year old Aaron. And so I was thinking about it. And I think it's because I find like these, like the, I'm not a big fan of the mystical movies mm. like that the, the the fantasies and stuff and i find that them hard to follow because i don't really remember movies anyway but especially when it's the mystical fantasy stuff my brain will get like stuck on one thing and so i just laugh because i'm like oh my god seven-year-old aaron just got stuck on the fact that this woman like this girl didn't want her brother and that's the whole part of the movie and I was so upset that that was the only thing that I could focus on I didn't remember anything that happened after that except David Bowie showing up with his Tina Turner wig and I'm pretty (laughs) sure that's why that registered for me and then I found when I was doing research I read Robert Ebert's critic uh, his criticism of the film because I think he gave it two stars 
And I was like, oh my gosh. And in Ebert's review, he said, quote, I have a problem with almost all nightmare movies. They aren't as suspenseful as they should be because they don't have to follow any logic. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I think he solved my issue of like Ooh. those fantasies and that oh. kind of thing. I was like, I think that that's what I don't react to, which is all to say that just because I didn't, I can't tell you the ins and outs of her going through the labyrinth and how what she did made it and tell you about the plot. Same way with Game of Thrones. I watched all of that. I can't tell you anything about that. But I still enjoyed it because I enjoy the trip that it spawns in my mind and the different paths I walk down in my mind when I'm supposed to be watching and paying attention to this movie. <laughs> that that is a very that is a so, nightmare right there. Yeah. I, it's, uh, yeah. That was a hot take. That's my hot take. Okay. The second one. I don't, I put it in bad, but it could also be good. The 80s music and specifically that 80s saxophone. Oh, I had it yeah. in bad. All yeah. right. Um, okay. I did not remember this from seven-year-old Aaron watching this, but apparently at one point, David Bowie has a snake. Yes. And oh yeah. Throws it at her. Yeah. And yeah. in my mind, I'm pro that's probably when baby Aaron just shut it all down because she's like, that's when I lost my brother and he became a goblin because I made a foolish mistake. <laughs> and I would not have been alive to see that it turned into a scarf just right no. then. No. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> Her 1980s vest was so hair glam rocker vest. Like, I remember all the lead guitarists of Poison and Bon Jovi mm -hmm. wearing a vest just like hers. And also just recognized it, a puffy shirt a underneath. puffy shirt, yeah. She's totally rocking a puffy shirt underneath. Um, I don't know if this is... The Fireys? Um, yeah. He ripped off his own hand at one point, one of them, and threw it in the fire, mm -hmm. and then took out eyes and rolled them as dice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I'm like, you know what? Usually when you see a movie and you suspend this belief and you're like, I want to party with them, the fireies, I was like, I don't know if I want to party with oh, them. Oh, I do. No, they were they were too scary for me. And there was the one time that the CGI was so blatant. Yeah, it was very, very dated. Yeah. Made it look very dated. Um also the I mean, and then he rolled it. It was hilarious though, because he was like, Snake Eyes. I mean, Snake I didn't love it, but I was also like, I watched this as a seven year old? What? Well, yeah, that's what your parents did for you. <laughs> um, so unwanted children just turn into goblins, and and then I was yeah. thinking, then I looked at the goblin life, and I don't know, maybe this is me being anti-goblin and not understanding goblin culture, but goblin life does not seem that appealing, at all. Like, just where do they? Do, is there any education? Where, they are they all I've heard they party. 
just partying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept forgetting that. Well, I didn't never registered it until I read in my research that this was all coming from Sarah's mind, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, because. That masquerade ball was super creepy, and it was just Jareth and her whole encounter was super creepy. And now that there's this whole thing of, because I I'm like, oh, it all came from her mind. But as we've said before, like, how worried are we to be about her now? I don't. It's just weird to me because I thought that it was more that she was younger. It just didn't. Her being a 16 year old. No, I didn't see her as 16 at all. I saw her as more 12-ish, truth be told. Mm-hmm. Because at 16, she is she is putting on the dress of a Renaissance person out in a field. She's a theater kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I believe that. Okay. Like, that I do believe, but... Okay. I know people that are my age dressing up like that to go to Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also thinking of when when she at the end is putting her all that stuff away and she takes the the doll in the gilded cage that evidently her mother had given her. I didn't get that. Oh, wow. And that's who she became for the masquerade ball. Um, And she put it in that drawer. I went, there is no way that drawer is going to close. And when she closed it, you could see that they had to drop the drawer down. And there was a space of about an inch between where the door, the drawer should have closed and where it actually closed in order to get that in there. Just someone who tries to, you know, put stuff away in their children's rooms and can't quite close the drawer. (laughs) Yes, because there's a water bottle in it. Puppy found the one in the CDs. <laughs> I, how I didn't see that happen, I don't know. Okay, so we are to positive reheatable. Yes. Uh, David Bowie's performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's such a My god. Yeah. My god. Okay. That was your only one? That was my one that I wrote down. Oh, okay. Um, I also had David Bowie. I thought Merlin gave a great performance. Merlin. Merlin. Yeah. Do you know what kind of dog he is? Looks like a sheepdog. Dog. Mm-hmm. A sheepdog. Yeah. Her books. She had The Wizard of Oz, Grimm's Fairy Tales, Snow White, Where the Wild Things Are, Marie Sendak. Mm-hmm. Books. The Goblins and Creatures. That's what I love. Yeah. I, I don't like Like um, rent mystery worlds or whatever, unless they have goblins and creatures. Oh, interesting. Okay, yes. yeah. Like that, they were so good. If though. I'm gonna watch, I need that. Yeah, they were so good. So good. The soundtrack I had mm-hmm. was positive. Their house was nice. Yes, it was a nice house. I wish I had had her bedroom as a as a yeah. young adult. I always had to share with somebody, and there was never any decorating. My God, 
I, I find that I just end up writing down, I wrote the goblins and then I just wrote down all of the, go- like the helping hands, the birdhead goblin, the fire gang. I like the helping all. hands were so creepy. That was really cool. Yeah. She was falling, and then they would catch her, and then they would go and make the faces make with faces. their hands. They were, and then it they was would, and then incredible. they're like, "Which way do you want to go?" It's just like, "Oh man, that's why Jim. That's why you let mm-hmm. Jim. Like, yeah, you're not gonna. This isn't a movie that you're gonna follow and make sure that the plot makes sense no. because it's Jim Henson making up creatures and it cool visual things oh. that he wants to do. Yeah, the fart rocks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That was the only thing that uh, that I remember. It was the three things. That was the bog of stench was the other thing that I remembered. And I was it was just hilarious. I'm like, wow, there was so much more to this movie than those three things. Mm-hmm. I do have I do I, to piggyback on that. I had read that when it was shown in England at the theater, Prince Charles was the only one who laughed at the farting rocks. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, I went, was a Oh, it was Chuck, a royal. Um, it was a royal charity premiere in London in December, and Prince Charles and Princess Diana were in attendance. Oh, uh, those are my positives. Agree, Erin. I have that. Like little Aaron was so mad at Sarah and could never forgive Sarah, but then adult Aaron watching it was like, oh, she's 16 and she mm-hmm. doesn't want to to watch. And it made it sound like every every weekend they went out and like expected. And her they to didn't do ask; that. they just said, "Yeah, it was just like, yeah. oh, you're gonna do that." And so it it um just seeing the other side of it because mm-hmm. as some like older and living that and looking back and like kind of seeing like where she was coming from it made me have more sympathy for her than I did as a as a child I was I just was like completely out on Sarah which is funny because your brother did irritate you I know lot. but I yes but even I knew like I didn't want I didn't wish him away because look at the, you know, like you, like anything could happen, you know, and then you're left with like, what? You, I don't know. I and just you, always you knew were that never at a young age. Okay, I was gonna say you were never responsible for him, but that's not true. You never had to babysit him. Yeah, I mean, because I was seven and he would be like three, you right. know. Like I never had to babysit a baby my baby brother and he's crying and be responsible for him i was around and and would see but i didn't have that responsibility placed on me but still even then as annoying as he was i would never want him to here come get him go be a goblin but i'm a leo i'm loyal what can i say that's true you have been loyal to your brother from day one from day one um and also like just because he didn't, I, and even at the young age, I knew that Toby didn't do anything. Like, Toby didn't take the, the Lance a lot. Like, he's a baby. He right. has, like, she, it's her parents that she's mad at. at yeah. Um, the Magic Dance song is just, it's crazy to, when just a song has a good beat and a great chorus, that you'll just glance over lyrics, like, slap that baby to make him free. <laughs> appears in the song you're saying wait excuse me because i'm over here like just dancing away and then you're like 
But that's that's what David Bowie will do. He'll get David you to stand Bowie. there. He'll say, what did he just say? Um, <laughs> I, I love saying this. She had one job, and that was just to watch Toby. I, and also, I'm not a big puzzle person. So, um, like, when they had the four guards, and she would just ask them the one question, I would have needed a piece of paper and a pencil and don't tell me that there's a time actually when they said that there's a time limit of 13 hours i would have been out i'm like i'm yeah. sorry i'm out i can't do this this is a test and I, <laughs> a time limit nope done um when jareth was telling sarah you say that so often i wonder what your basis for comparison is after she kept saying that's not fair i was just like mm -hmm. oh that's a sick burn jared sick sick burn mm -hmm. um jared's tina turner hair yes mm. it i so it's just a a haircutting marvel to just see oh that was cut short but that piece was let long. Well, you could do it with a wig. You couldn't do it with real hair. I know. But also, it would lay though, down. I had no idea, though, when I was seven, that Tina Turner's hair was not her real hair. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just in that impressionable age where I'm just like, these are, that's, that's how they can grow it. Um, Patty LaBelle could actually grow her hair straight out of the, her scalp to create a crown. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. The Bog of Eternal Stench. The name Jareth. Cracks me up every time. The transactional nature of help. How every time she she's going and asking for help, and every time she asks for help, it she either has to solve a riddle or pay somebody something. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a good lesson in life. True. Um, and then also Jennifer Conley's career, I think, mm -hmm. is a great repeatable. And also, she she's she's very attractive in this movie as a fourteen year old. But the glow up of what she came to look like as an adult is just wow. And just and also just her evolution as an actress. She's somebody that when I I'm watching something, Jennifer Conley shows up. I'm, I get excited. I'm like, ooh. And she's really good at being steely now and just having a presence. So those are my good reheatables. Okay, we are two quotables. Ooh. And I wrote one down. Oh, what is it? I am exhausted from living up to your expectations of me. <laughs> I thought that was great. I had this. Someone has been in my room again. I hate that. Um, and I liked when she was about to start the labyrinth. She said, come on, feet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think it was the worm who I loved that said, things are not always what they seem here. You can't take anything for granted. Yes. And um, I read somewhere where the worm sent her the wrong way. Mm -hmm. 
because if she went the other way, she would have gone straight to the castle. Mm -hmm. But their take on it was if she hadn't gone that way, she wouldn't have made those friends who helped her get through it. No, because it's the, the mm -hmm. friends we meet along the way the oh. whole time. Shit, I gotta oh. change my LVP. I know. I have my LVP. You guys just pooped <laughs> on my LVP. Well, my quotes are uh, I ask for so little. Just fear me, love me, do as I say, and I will be your slave. Exactly. Exactly. Jared. Oh, man. Toxic. <laughs> just, just so toxic. I'm like, wow. This explains a lot. Yes. This this David Bowie's Jareth has done a number on the women of my generation. Oh yes. Um you remind me of the babe. That was said in a scene, and it was mm -hmm. a reference to a scene in The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, which was a nineteen forty seven film starring Cary Grant and Shirley Temple. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And finally, I think that it's the quote of the film. And that's at the very end. And she's, she remembers that last line. Mm. You have no power over me. Mm -hmm. And I thought that, I mean, oh, taking away what we have discussed about the, uh, this, her being a sexual abuse survivor. Uh, when I was thinking of this, I wasn't correlating it to that, but it does go with that as well. But I was thinking of it in terms of if it, all of this stuff was coming from her subconscious mind and just how Jareth was that voice in her head of like giving her like, oh, you can go and you can do this and you can do this and, and just come with me. And it's sort of like that ego voice that everybody has in their mm -hmm. head. Because then Jareth could be say like, oh, no, you can't do this and you're not smart and you're ugly and look at how you look in these clothes and like that voice that everybody has. And so I thought it was very powerful of like, you have no control over me because sometimes mm. you just have to like remember that. And like when you hear those voices in your in, like, you know, like, excuse me. <laughs> no, 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 no. You have no control over me. Exactly. Get behind me, Satan. So. You say I look matronly in this? You have no control. <laughs> Pish posh. Okay, so we are to LVPs. Yes. Evidently, you two need to change yours. Mine is that strange sexual vibe that was happening between a 39-year-old David Bowie and a 16, 14-year-old Jennifer Conway. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Well, originally I had the worm. <laughs> You're welcome. If she kept going that way, she'd have gone straight to the castle. Um, but then I apparently wrote me. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote me. I could never remember books. I'd be shit out of luck. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I have. Okay, for the LVP, this ties into what you're saying, Teeny. And but instead of being like me, I put it on Sarah. <laughs> the yeah, honorable that's... mention. 
Because I was like, don't start no shit, won't be no shit. That's true. Don't go wishing your brother away to no Goblinville. Then you won't have to be going after him in some Goblinville. True. So that was my honorable mention. But you know what? I am stubborn, so I'm sticking with my LVP as the real MVP being the talking inchworm. Just going all. I mean, yeah, because for movie's sake, she needs to have a character arc and a journey and whatnot, but if the goal is to get your brother back... Yeah, you would have been done in an hour. Exactly. Oops, I made a mistake. This inchworm over here got (laughs) me going to box of stenches. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're to MVPs, and mine are the puppets. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. They were so good. All the different ones. Like the time, and this wasn't even a puppet, but it was set design where the rocks looked like David Bowie's profile. Oh, yeah, that was so Mm -hmm. cool. And then it came and it it was the beginning of a scene and it looked like it was just half of his face. And then it moved and you saw that it moved and then Jareth came in. Yeah. That was Uh, good. I also, I wrote the goblins, but then I also said, I love that they got right to the story. Like, we were at, like, goblins were in the room within the first ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that first, the first goblins, yeah, they made, they made us all laugh for, for very interesting reasons, but... <laughs> When you see that first goblin face come on, yeah, I, was, yeah. Oh, I lost it laughing. <laughs> So my MVP honorable mention is that you don't have, and you have no power over me. I'm like, oh, that's mm. that's really good. Mm-hmm. And is. then the the real one was just Jim Henson and his crew, mm-hmm. just yeah. getting to do Jim Henson things and getting to. He's like, I I love teaching kids and and you know being having good positive stuff, but I I also have other sides that I want to mm-hmm. other muscles I want to flex mm-hmm. and do. Okay, so <clears throat> we are to recasting. I only, I had a really hard time with it because do we even have a David Bowie now? Oh, I think we do. Okay. I mean, not really, but I did cast the one person that I feel like could take the, these shoes. Okay, do you want to do yours? Because I had one, I, I didn't do a Sarah, I did just Jareth. I did, I did a Jareth and a Sarah, and then I did another movie version. Sort of like what I did last week with Bad News Bears. Okay. So would you like to know who my Sarah is? Yes. My Sarah is Quavanzane Wallace. Oh, okay, okay. I remember, but... She was in um, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Mm-hmm. And she's grown up. I think she's 18 or 19 now. Yeah, yeah. I really, it's hard because I would really want to have Sarah be younger, be more mm-hmm. 12. And I don't know, I, I don't like the idea of having to cast a 12-year-old because of how I feel about child actors Mm -hmm. so that makes it hard to recast because i'm like i do i do think it should be a 12 year old but i don't 
I I don't I don't know. I don't know who that 12 year old would be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if it's like this, I'm like, all right, Fonzie Wallace as the 16 year old. So then as my Jareth, because you are, you're like, who would be the David Bowie just outlandish and, but it wouldn't be a male. It would be a female, Ooh. and it would be Lady Gaga. Not oh. not Stephanie Jira. What is her real name? Not Stephanie Jira Montada. You know who is in who is in a born a star is born. I'm talking right. about the the she right. would be Lady yeah. Gaga yeah. in this. You know to be the full all out there. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean. Okay, so understood. I was looking for a female Jareth as well. I came up with, and it it's already kind of being done, but I came up with Billy Porter. That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would, be, that would actually be really good. Mm-hmm. Yes. But he is the... Um, the In the Cinderella. Yeah, fairy godmother only, the queen godmother i believe he goes by in the cinderella so Mm. but he was the only one i came up with who could be yeah that's that's a really good one Mm -hmm. oh that's good okay so your other one my other one is um it would be we would be redoing the movie as a version where toby is the baby because this takes place in texas in 2021 so toby is the baby that sarah was forced to have after her stepfather raped her and then she gets to choose whether she wants or how she wants to be a mother See, but there's that pesky choosing of if she even mm-hmm. wants to go on the adventure because maybe she does but but sarah gets to have the choice and then that's why my mind was blown because I came up with that and it was like, oh my gosh, what if it really is? And it's the, that's Toby's the baby that the mother's boyfriend impregnated in her because it's all about, that's why I was so quiet oh, earlier. Wow. Was, oh, my mind was blown. Like, she does oh have postpartum depression. Yes. And she would, and she would resent him and would want him taken away because she wanted it taken away before because she was forced to give birth to this child that she had to carry full term and deliver when she was raped because of a law what can we all just say fuck you texas fuck you texas fuck you and the horse you rode in on wow Wow, that might be our best, our best recasting yet. <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's right. Am I the only one who sees this? <laughs> wow, that's wow. Okay, my mind is blown. <clears throat> so we are to Tasty Nuggets. I didn't do any. Oh, okay, I did. I, I got some. The owl at the beginning and the end was the first photorealistic CGI in a feature film. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and then everyone and it was copy. so good. Yeah, everything um, else is, is pretty much practical effects that you know that they 
they shot. There's very few CGI things in this. All of the characters from the labyrinth were in Sarah's room at the beginning. Mm. You know, from the um, where the wild things are, all of them were in there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we talked about the scrapbook of Sarah's mom and David Bowie. And we talked about Toby being the baby of the mm-hmm. conceptual designer. These are the people who auditioned for Sarah. There were a couple I didn't know, so I didn't add them. Helena Bonham Carter. Wow. Jane Krakowski. Now, these would have been when they were teenagers. Yeah. Uh, Yasmin Bleeth. And I kept going, why do I know that name? Soap opera and Baywatch. She was she was in Ryan's. She was Ryan and Ryan's Hope and then went on to Baywatch. Because when she was in Big and Baywatch, you would always tell me, she slapped me. She was in Ryan's Hope. And I never watched that Ryan's Hope no, soap opera. It was a, but it was done. Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh. Mary Stuart Masterson. <laughs> from fried green tomato such a steely Sarah Laura Dern Ali Sheedy who was it like Breakfast Club and yeah. uh, Marissa Tomei and the ones who were really up for it were Jane Krakowski and Ali Sheedy but then uh, Jim Hansen saw Jennifer Conley and went it's done she that's, is our Sarah. That's interesting because I would have thought that Laura Dern would have been uh, higher up, but I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. Okay, yeah. there, there you have it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Bowie was thirty-nine during the filming, and Jennifer Connelly was, you said, fourteen. Yeah, she was like. She was supposed to be playing a sixteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. So those are my tasties. I have Michael Moschin. He is a contact juggler, and he was the one that was doing all like so when David Bowie, when Jareth is doing the balls, that's real. That's uh, not a CGI. Oh, and so wow. that guy, he was crouched underneath, and he's so good at that stuff that he's he's basically he's blind because he can't see it and he's just doing that that contact juggling with the ball and stuff and that's real wow Mm -hmm. um i have that sting michael jackson mick jagger and prince were considered i had that too yes yes they were Mm -hmm. but then jim henson's kids said but wait check out david bowie oh so Jareth is Sarah's inner fantasy, and I I forget who said this. It was in Wikipedia that so it's like all of the other things where they grab it. So um a lot of this stuff is over my head. Like I I've never read Withering Heights or Jane Eyre. So Heathcliff from Withering Heights and Rochester from Jane Eyre. He's sprinkled in there with Jareth. Brando's leather jacket from the Wild Ones is sprinkled mm-hmm. in there. Also, Japanese Kabuki theater is sprinkled in there. And basically, like, you know, rock star bravado. David Bowie, he was acting on Broadway in The Elephant Man. And he was, I think he was doing it without any prosthetics. And still people marveled at it. <laughs> it's just because David Bowie, well, this quote kind of gets to it. 
Henson felt, quote, his otherworldliness and energy would be a good match for the fantastic creatures and settings planned for the film. And I thought that too, because I remember when David Bowie passed away in 2016, I was just, it just, David Bowie was just one of those people, he didn't seem like he was human. Yeah, so I, uh, so I couldn't believe when he passed away. I was like, I remember driving to work and being like, David Bowie doesn't exist on this earth anymore. And how I was like, he was human all along. Like, I kept thinking that he was just some, just, uh, again, otherworldliness, another presence. In the filming, um, it took Jennifer Connelly and Bowie a couple, it took them a while to get used to acting with the puppets because they would look off stage to where the voice was coming from instead oh. of the puppet. Um, so that took some peace, some time. His cod piece, there's a the scene where it's the was it the blind beggar scene? His cod piece is noticeably larger, and that was one of the first scenes that they oh. shot. And I think they the executive saw it and they were like, Yeah, no. No. You need to tone that down a bit. Oh my <laughs> god. Because there were scenes where he didn't have it. It was obvious. Yeah, so they didn't reshoot that scene, but um the rest of the, the time it was the size was reduced. The budget was twenty five million dollars. The box office it only made twelve point nine million dollars during its really? theatrical run. So it was considered a box office flop. The critics were pretty brutal on it. Okay. Um, David Bowie got super mixed uh, responses, reviews to it. Some people were like, oh, he was great in it. Some people lambasted him. Um, the reviews, this was the the last feature film that Jim Henson ever directed. Right. And his son said that the just how... Um, the lack of a great response from it because people were thinking that it was going to be like the Muppets and stuff, oh. and it, it was different. Definitely from that. not. You know, right. just the, it's just one of those things where it was just ahead of the t of its time, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and he he just took it really hard, and it was hard for him to to figure out what he wanted to do next and to just just go from there, which is just sad because that dude was so super creative. Yeah. Um. The, there are plans for a sequel. I read in 2016 there was oh. stuff talked about a sequel, and then as soon as more recent as May 2020, there were. I think like there's a director that's at least been attached to it, but you know, I mean, development hell as they say in Hollywood. So they are talking about obviously doing something with this property. Well, they better have his son with the puppets, cause. <clears throat> not everybody yeah. can do that yeah and like yeah and who even know i don't even know who owns the rights to it mm -hmm. and would they oh i mean i hope that they wouldn't because the whole thing is the the puppet mm -hmm. doing that because um i didn't the melissa mccarthy movie which that got terrible reviews the happy time murders but jim henson's son was like the the like they did the puppets Ooh. in that so, um, but yeah, if they went all CGI with this, no. it would just be like, yeah, agree. What are we even doing, man? Um, okay, David Bowie, because I noticed it on the poster. 
I was like, wait, does David Bowie have two different color eyes like Max Scherzer, the pitcher for the Nationals? Because look at it all in the poster for Labyrinth and stuff. Or Jane Alexander. No, David Bowie has, I don't know how to pronounce this, Annie Scorcoria. Okay. And that's the pupils are two different sizes. And his pupils are significantly two different sizes. So it isn't that his eyes are two different colors. It's that his one pupil is significantly larger than the other, which gives the illusion of his eyes different colors. So even even when he's on different drugs, because different drugs can contract or yes, expand the pupil. But when he was 15 years old, he got punched in his left eye in a fight over a girl, and that oh, kept his, that pupil permanently the the shape that it is. Wow. So, and then finally, so David Bowie. And Mark Bolin of T-Rex are considered the pioneers of what is known as glam rock. Mm-hmm. And then that was in the UK, the United Kingdom in the early 70s. To find this outrageous costumes, makeup, hairstyles, platform shoes, glitter. That was the, the look of it. And then the music just was super diverse, came from all different types of music and it emphasized bubblegum pop, 50s rock and roll, which is 50s rock and roll is basically just blues with a backbeat on it, um, cabaret, science fiction, and also playing around with different gender roles. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was very interesting. Yeah. I had because Teeny knows the movie that I. And picking next. My mother also does, but she does not remember. And I wondered if that played any role into her picking Labyrinth because she's setting a layup slam dunk. Well, the thing is, I've never seen this movie that you're about to talk about. But maybe subconscious. I mean, I remember picking it and being like, only from what you've told me, I was like, is this too similar? But it'll be a fun back-to-back. It's a fantastic back-to-back. That's why I was like, oh, my God. It's how did still she not it? ringing a bell. Yeah. I wish our 12 listeners could see the face oh, being okay. made. Let me paint the picture. We were on vacation. We were to dinner. This was the first time since actually – you guys don't, I don't know if you realize this, but that was the first time that all of us had been in physically together since we had started the podcast. Because we started, oh my God. started in the podcast when we were in quarantine. I joined. Yeah. yeah. But we hadn't, we hadn't been with her in person. Well, I guess we had been in Brooklyn and stuff. That's true. That's mm. true. But. I was so excited because the week before I flew out for vacation, I figured out what I wanted, what I wanted my movie to be, <laughs> what I'd pick next. And I was so excited that I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't keep it. And they had to guess at dinner, and they guessed it. And now Ma is acting like she don't Obviously, know. Obviously, I didn't guess it. 
But she was oh, like, we've talked about it for so long. She's mentioned it many times. And we had a whole conversation about it. You were even it's like similar to this one, apparently. The Princess Bride. No, and I just did a whole glam rock like segue. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. Okay, I finally know. Okay. okay. Because so just a little bit of background. When I was in high school, I wasn't listening to what was on the chart. I was listening to classic, the oldies. Then I got into classic rock. When I got into college, I was still on that classic rock tip. And then I got into like da like David Bowie, Space Odyssey, Ziggy Stardust. And then I started hearing about glam rock. And then I went to see a movie called Billy Elliot in 2000. And the very first song in Billy Elliot was this beautiful song that I never heard before. And it was called Cosmic Dancer. And this is in the days when you would have to go onto the internet and like actually do some internet sleuthing. Actually, no, I waited in the credits to see who sang Cosmic Dancer. And I heard of this band called T-Rex. And I was like, T-Rex? I had never heard of T-Rex before. And I was like into oldies and classic rock. Come to find out, T-Rex at one point, the Beatles had broken up. And in Britain, Mark Boland was bigger than the Beatles. He was, and I, this is one of those things where it's like, what? So I got into glam rock in 2000 and went all in on it. And then, lo and behold, a movie, I see a movie trailer for a movie coming out in 2001. And... We're doing it. It's time. It is time for Hedvig and Hedvig the Angry and Inch. The angry Inch. I remember now. Because I remember. It's, it's one now. of those things where a movie where I'm into something and I'm used to being into something that everyone else isn't. And just seeing this small trailer of a movie, and we'll get into it next week of all of these things where I'm like, get out of my life. What is like it was almost like this trailer that I had to wait 10 minutes to download in 2001 to see the 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 trailer for it to be like no somebody made a movie specifically for you and then to to watch it and just be blown away and then to see how it just paved the way for all of these things where we're having these conversations now and I'm just like guys like I was just being grateful that I got to experience it and like learn about these different things and have my mind open to different people and different transitions and all of that stuff. So Hedvig and the Angry Inch. There could not be a more Aaron Bush type movie. It's I remember, I remember. I really love the runtime, 135 minutes. But I mean, one hour, 35 minutes. The thing minutes. that got me about this movie, though, was the music. I yeah. freaking love this yeah. music. It is, it is, it's the songs. I, wow. Guys. Is it his excited. agent, the, the female? She's in so many funny things. She's in evil right now, just tearing it up as a nun. Where, where she is, she taps her tooth with her tongue and that connects her to her telephone. And that's like, mm -hmm. that's coming. That it, that's coming. So, okay. Uh, next week, Hedvig and, and it's a, it's a Broadway 
musical too. Well, it started off Broadway, then they scraped the money together to make the film, mm-hmm. and then it ended up being on Broadway. On Broadway. Yeah, yeah. so there's I so know. many different stage performances of it that I got. I saw it when it was in L.A. at the Roxy. I got to see it. It's, and Neil Patrick Harris was in it. At on point. Broadway. Yeah. There are so yeah. many. Yeah, like Ali Sheedy was in, like when the movie came. They, like Ali Sheedy had been in it, and James Cameron Mitchell was like, "That was the most intense head big," and that always made me laugh. Just picturing Ali Sheedy as head big because it would have been super intense. It would have been. <clears throat> okay, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the labyrinth or was it just labyrinth it's just labyrinth Labyrinth. 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 we don't need a the oh next week we will be with you for hedvig and the angry inch and where are we gonna be able to access i don't think it's streaming everywhere but it's available for rent everywhere okay you can rent it on your apples your amazons all the places where you would rent things. It's highly, highly. I mean, if you like rock music, if you like, if you even think, if you're even like, oh, I dabble in some David Bowie, you have to check out this soundtrack. Outstanding. Well, listeners, there you go. Bye.